Let's drop the green flag on this episode of The Talent Tank Podcast with your host, Wyatt Pemberton, bringing you the best, fastest, most knowledgeable personalities in Ultra 4 and off-road racing. Holy smokes. Man, it has been a year. The Talent Tank is officially a one-year-old podcast. You guys... Myself, everyone involved, the whole team. Oh, wow. Blown every expectation I ever had. You know, when I first started this, you know, my goal was to do like, what was it, 12 or 13 episodes uh, just to learn something new, you know, challenge myself, find something, you know, new challenge. And man, this thing just grew legs and took off, you know, to be the beast and the animal that it is today. It does wear me down. No lie. Got to be honest about that. But just like, you know, prepping in the shop and however many hours, you know, that you're working on your race car for those uh, precious moments of green flag time. That's kind of how this works. You know, it's the exact same, exact same thing. But here we go. So I took the summer off. I appreciate you guys letting me do that. Very, 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 very fortunate to uh, to have such a such a family uh, and community that uh, supports work-life balance for the most part and enjoying, you know, who doesn't want to enjoy this uh, soupy, hot, humid weather all summer long in Houston and also be working on podcast stuff? It wasn't me. Anyway, well, hey, man, guys, I'm back in the saddle. This is Wyatt. Uh, we're, I'm going at it. Here you go. This is the premiere of the fall season. It is It's short. It's, uh, it's just a little teaser. It's a little fun. It, it was something that was really fun to make, as you guys see. It's, uh, it's Puff the Magic Race Dragon. I'm you know pretty proud of it because it's uh, some of the folklore and – uh, that surrounds everything that is uh, King of the Hammers and his Ultra Four racing, and and the guys that have you know make it what it is, and the characters, and uh, in this case, I guess the landmarks that are. But guys, we're gonna run through uh, weekly Mondays, just like we have uh, in the past through Thanksgiving, and then uh, be off for the winter. And now we've got you know racing back underway, and we had Crandon, though it wasn't a points race. Uh, you know, a little over a week ago over the holiday weekend and then, uh, this past weekend off. And now everybody is, you know, that was at that is now currently thrashing to get their junk together to show up in Moab for, uh, ultra four racing. And then as we fly towards, uh, you know, uh, nationals going on in Oklahoma. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back to the party. I'm excited about this fall. There's a, there's a lot of things going on. A lot of fun people who, uh, who are queued up and teed up and ready to go. I'm working on it, man. I'm working to bring the best stuff to you. All right. Enjoy. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. This is a, a fun one. This is an exciting one because I think it's a story that so many people are like, what the hell is that? Or why the hell is that? And why do I continue to see that? But today on the phone, I've got Brant Irwin. Brant, how are you doing? Doing real well. Doing real well, Wyatt. And, and for you guys that don't know, Brant Irwin is uh, is co-driver for uh, Nate Jesse in the 4400 class, of that bomber car. What is it, the 4416? <laughs> uh, it's the 802, actually. We stuck with, uh, with a non-4400 number. Ah, uh, see, that's uh, who's 4416? Why do I have that in my head? Anyway, I, should... uh, I, I think that's Jesse Haynes, actually. Yeah, I'm not well, sure who 4416 is. Yeah, I'll just edit all this part out, Brent. 
Okay. <laughs> well, hey, so why I've got you on and why I called you and why I reached out to you uh, this week to kind of run this to ground and kind of put together this little uh, collection of stories is around a famous uh, iconic individual in Ultra 4 that you uh, that all, yeah, yeah, all lines kind of pointed to you that you were something of the storyteller of this guy's history. And now I know yeah. there's lots of urban legend about him. And yeah, for sure. And even you've told me like pre-call that, you know, there's one story, then there's the other story, and then there's the truth. And we're kind of going to get, maybe we're going to get a couple different flavors of that for this guy. Somewhere in between, for sure. Somewhere in between. And that guy is the infamous Puff the Magic Dragon. Puff the Magic Race Dragon. You got it, man. You got it. So um, Puff has been around uh, me for probably the longest. That's why they that's why they made me keeper of the dragon per se. But the original where did he come from story um, got tossed around a lot. So well, I think it's funny that you know how many times it's you know it's been brought up just around me is at Hammers because he's always at the Hammers and no matter yep. where you're at in Hammertown, you can see him. You see him from everywhere. That's one of the best things about him. You can see our camp from from Fisher Mountain and know exactly where it's at. And that's helped many a you know many people one find the back, find their way back to their their pits at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. You know after a mm-hmm. little stint up at the fire pit. But it's no one remembers. Oh hey, I'm at one twenty two Spider Tracks. Well, everyone loves you know having it or, or gin ride or 300 gin rider or whatever the, the addresses are it's awesome we have street addresses it's really good on start day it's kind of really good for the the fans to find stuff but generally when you give directions we kind of give them by landmarks right one one block from puff you one block it. from puff so mm-hmm. you've been the you've been the curator of puff yep, by, de- yep. by default right so so let's get into it so how did he come to be? And then we'll talk about all the stuff about him today. So how did he come to be? So his, his how he came to be, you kind of have to, you kind of have to go back to college and, and, and this is Purdue, right? This is Purdue, um, Purdue off-road club, our, our group of guys, uh, amongst our group of guys, we had a guy named Tex. He was from Texas. So I didn't actually know his real name for probably a year or two. He was a, he, he is, he is a, a very interesting guy. He is very creative. If you need a guy to sell an Eskimo, a popsicle or, or fix a, a vehicle in the middle of the desert that's that's a random guy that you should have he's he's a pretty clever guy but his his jobs and his work put him in some interesting places just because he'll take about anything and do about anything if he can make some money off of it so in college he was working for a hot air balloon company they had a cold air balloon side of their business and uh, liability i don't know if you remember you see these playhouses with kids flying away and stuff like that so oh yeah, yeah we've rented those yeah, liability became an issue with his cold air balloon side, and the guy just wanted to wanted to unload his cold air balloons. And, and Tex, being ingenuitive guy, um, came up with an idea on how to get uh, it plus another one um, because there was Puff has a brother from Texas all the way up to college, uh, utilizing some some extra vans they had that they were getting rid of that probably couldn't have made one vehicle out of the two vans but somehow he did plus a trailer and there was caravan and all all of that uh from from texas up to up to purdue and, and west lafayette indiana um so that's the original uh where it came from uh, but uh 
the reality is if it wasn't for text being text, uh, they wouldn't have come through that channel. We would have never seen them. But um, So did Puff originate in Texas and make its way to Purdue? He sure did. He was a Holy Texas smokes, boy. look at this. Um, you heard it here first. He's Texan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is originally Texan. That's why we're we are pretty willing to accept the the uh, the Texan guys out of out of Team Indiana. So yeah, he's I think it's actually Houston even. Yeah, I'm pretty certain it was Houston. Oh, my neck of the woods. All right. Yeah. So he came up to Purdue, and um, and we were you know an up and coming off road group and in school, and we thought, why don't we just take it to all of our, you know, all call out events, all our uh, events at the, at the Badlands or wherever we go, let's just take it and blow it up and put it in front of our stuff and get some attention. And, and that worked out really well. I mean, it's a, it's, it's got a, a spot you can hang a banner on it. He's, you know, 30 some foot tall and it doesn't really take a whole lot of work. Um, his work is moving him after he's done. Well, he's, well, he's hurt a lot of people, right? There's been a <laughs> lot of injuries from this dude. He has kicked some no, asses. I, I wouldn't say he did it, but but bad decisions were made around him for sure at times. You used to be able to climb them, and let's just say once you get about halfway, three-quarters way up, can't necessarily hold on as well as you could at the bottom. So He starts fighting back. Yeah, yeah, basically. My first recollection of Puff was, I, I feel like the year was 2012. It might have been 2013. I'm going to have to go and get some some background stories on him on where this happened. But uh, he shows up at, at the Hammers. I believe he came out, he rode out with the Brannett crew, with Stan and Brandon and Dino and MacGyver, all of those guys out of Team Indiana. As we know, Team Indiana today, kind of the, the pillars, the bedrock of them. He rides yep. out, and then... He gets inflated. People are like, what the hell is this guy? And then that's when kind of the urban legend started. So I, as I was told it, they had stopped somewhere at uh, to eat on the way out to the Hammers. This dude was, you know, 30-foot purple dinosaurs blowed up at, let me the dealership next door. And I swear in my head it's they were eating tacos. I don't know why that stuck in my head, but tacos. And they decided they were going to steal this 30-foot dragon. And so that was the story I've always had in my head that, hey, that's how Puff came to be in Ultra 4 was he was stolen on the way to Hammers. But it wasn't until just in the last couple days of me kind of researching the story that speaking with Jonathan Terhune, Terhune said, no, 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 no. This is the story of, of Tex. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But the story about Tex wasn't exactly that he did a deal to get it, that he had worked for the guy. The guy owed him money, didn't pay him, and so Tex broke in and stole a bunch of stuff, one being Puff. But we know so, that yeah, not I to be true. Um, I don't know that it's 100% false either, though. So that's kind of the, the mystery of, of Tex sometimes. You, you don't necessarily know for certain what, what went down, but pretty sure that it was a fair fair and even workout but but it's hard to say it's hard to say and so then then you guys use so text more or less donates puff to uh pork you know purdue off-road club there you guys use him for a bunch of events then how how is the circle connected with uh like brannick and company and hauling it to hammers to break yeah, so out? yep you gotta you gotta there's actually a middle a middle location there so so Puff's huge. He, he he wasn't necessarily anything anybody wanted to deal with. Uh, when we all graduated, we all kind of didn't know what to do. We were going all our separate ways, all into small apartments or whatever for the first couple of years. Um, we didn't necessarily have anybody that wanted to be owner of it. So Puff actually went to the four-wheel parts guys. Mike DeVore and Terry Hume was at four-wheel parts at that time working there. So 
Um, so Puff resided at Forward Parts for, for a number of years before um, the blower broke on him. And, and then he ended up not getting put up at most places because nobody wanted to drag him out. And then he comes to me. And once he gets back to me, I kind of want, I, you know, I want to reintroduce him because it's been a couple of years since most people have seen him. And I'm up in Fort Wayne uh, after I graduated college, went up to Fort Wayne. That's when I met the Brandon crew. Um, had a buddy, a brar, tell me, dude, if you're in Fort Wayne, you got to go hook up with these guys. And I didn't, I didn't know the Brandon crew at that point. Just made a phone call and uh, drove over there one day and introduced myself. And you know, Stan, um, those guys are as welcome as welcoming as they can be. So and now you're family. And now I'm family. So I was riding with them from Fort Wayne to the Hammers that year. And I was like, hey, can we, you know, can we throw Puff in here? Can you think we can fit Puff in here somewhere? So Puff is like 200 pound ball of fun when he's rolled uh, up. I would, when he's rolled up, he's a 300, 300 pound ball sack. For 300. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he's about four foot in diameter, but you can push halfway into the bag because you can't get him tied tight enough to be real firm so it's it's a yeah it's a literally like a 300 pound ball sack that you gotta toss around but he's magnificent when he gets when he gets full size you introduced him out there that first year okay i i think so yeah i, I th- he needed a he needed a, a drag out to get out there i think i was the first one to get him out to koh he'd been to a lot of events in, in indiana and surrounding areas but he hadn't made it out to koh just yet so and now are you still the current curator of him so yeah now i'm uh i'm officially keeper of dragon because i'm keeper of most every project it seems like a lot of a lot of projects come my way and just hang out in the shop because a lot of the guys come here to play with them and mess with them so um, there's a lot of toys that end up in my shop just up on the rack and and puff has certainly claimed his space here now so he rides around in the uh nate nate jesse's you know the 802 well, trailer right yep. He does, um, but the 802 trailer's at, at the shop here for most of the year, too. So it's been here since KOH, and it usually rides here, and, and Nate just flies in and out because it's, it's a lot easier to get uh, logistics from here than Maryland. Versus Maryland. So back in the early days of Puff being at Hammers, I, I remember being, being there, and then I remember uh, Terry Madden championing a, a charge of individuals. He thought it would be funny to go steal it from you guys <laughs> and move it over. It was multiple blocks, two blocks, three yes. blocks over. At, a, at least two. Yes. At least two and put him on top of the Shirley's 18 wheeler. So, you know, Brian yeah. and Levi Shirley and they did it. And I think some people got hurt doing it. I, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. He's no small feat to put up, especially if you've never done it. That was, that was probably the most impressive feat of all of that is that they figured out how to do it without any, any major issues. Like he wasn't, he wasn't upside down half over, uh, his arms get twisted up into ropes all the time. I mean, he was up and he was legit on the top of a semi and that was, that was pretty, that was, what's that meme? I'm not even, imp- or I'm not even mad. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm well, and you and it happened it happened in the dark you know it happened pretty late in in the evening yes. and there was definitely um liquid courage involved in this and uh liquid stupidity involved in all of this and they yeah, pulled it off time, 
I don't know if we had street names or, or addresses or anything. Um, if we did, we, we weren't really good with them yet. We used Puff as our as our indicator to get back to our camp. And that year, you know, that was still pretty early. We were still partying hard at the campfire every night. So we all went to the campfire and shut it down, essentially. And then we go strolling off in our golf cart towards Puff. And we realized we're like, wait a second, we're on the wrong side of town. Like, yeah, that's what Terhoon said. Yeah. So we didn't even realize that it happened until we're underneath it. And we're like, this isn't even our semi. Like, what? what is going on here? Um, like Twilight pretty, Zone. Yeah, Jonathan, ridiculous. Jonathan Terhoon told me, he said, he said, we're riding back to, we're riding back towards Puff. And I'm like, man, this is the wrong, right. th- this is the wrong part of town guys. <laughs> like, yeah. I think we're lost. And they're like, no, 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 there's puff. We're, you know, they, but he's like, no, man, this, nothing looks right here. Nothing looks right at all. We're, we're on the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. That was an impressive feat for sure. I, I, I commend them. That was uh that was an awesome thing and, and hilarious. I mean, we're, we're stumbling and, and we can't, we can't even keep our breath. We're just so, so, so ridiculous. It was hilarious. I mean, so did he we, ride we out the totally, week there? Cause I definitely, I remember seeing it in the daytime and I've seen pictures of it daytime. Did he ride out the week or did he get returned fairly quickly? I don't recall whether he got returned fairly quickly or not. He definitely rode out till, till morning for sure. Cause there's, there's definitely daylight pictures and it, it would have uh, only come if he, he just stuck around the next day. But um, I feel like he came down the next evening, but, I wouldn't be surprised if he wrote it out there. It's he was he was up there legit. He was he was in good shape up there. So I th- I don't remember that may have been the first time he was on top of a semi, and that might have been what gave us the idea that he needed to be on top of the semi. We might have had him sitting on the ground originally. Well, I think so. I think he was a he did sit on the ground, yeah. and you know, real estate's at a pre, you know we're in the middle of the desert. It's wide open spaces yeah. except for during Hammer's Week. You're yep. we're at a you know inside Hammertown is a a fight for real estate just to you know park your chair. <laughs> well, well, so tell me tell me a couple things about Puff. So he's about thirty thirty some foot tall. He's four hundred pounds. You use guy wires to 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 pin him down. What runs him? He, he's got a, a, a big old fan. So he, he has a fan and originally in college, he had a super heavy duty fan and that's why we could climb him because he, he was, he'd blow up so hard that you could actually grab a hold of a, of a, a spike or something on his back uh, and, and just climb up it. When that fan died, that's kind of when Puff died for a couple of years just because that fan died. And then the four parts guys got another fan for it, but it wasn't really the right fan. So it was uh, it was a lot weaker, so you couldn't climb it. He was quite flaccid. Yes, exactly. He's he was a, he, he was a, he was a soft, flaccid puff. Yep. Poor dude. So we've uh, we've since put another uh, carpet fan. Is what we've got on it now, and that's what it's made for. Carpet fans kind of old, so it's not as strong as the old or the the original one, but but it holds it up pretty well. The the, the tighter you can get the air, the less he bounces around. So. Yeah, uh, and then you, it's just a couple even hard as a rock. He's not moving. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> got it. But yeah, the ropes, um, we actually on Nate's, Nate's semi-trailer, since we had a, a permanent spot we could claim for the first time for Puff uh, on top of Nate's semi-trailer, we actually made mounts for him to tie our, our uh, guide ropes off too. And it, it really works out well now. So he goes up pretty easy and, and he's not too, he's not too difficult. The hardest parts, it's a three man job to throw it up to the top of the, uh, top of the semi to get it going now is there i mean the next odd random question about him is there any maintenance on him he ever bust a seam spring a leak and what do you do so about that? 
you know, there's there's not really any, any maintenance. I've tried cleaning them a, a lot of different ways. He doesn't really get clean. Uh, the hammer's dust kind of ingrains into the to the cloth or material, whatever it is that he's made of. So can't brush it out, can't can't vacuum or pressure wash it out. It kind of sticks to him or sticks in him. Um, we've we haven't busted a seam on on Puff. Surprisingly, he's been around a lot of places and he hasn't busted a seam on Puff. His brother that came up to up to college with us. He got stabbed once or twice, so he's been he's been sewn up. But uh, yeah, so he's got this brother. We brought this up. You brought it up earlier that he came up with a. He had a. He, he's got a brother. His brother's a Santa Claus. His brother is a Santa Claus. Yes, but there's yeah. a little. There's a funny story about the Santa Claus. His stature, <laughs> right? He's standing basically with a uh, a Nazi salute. He's I mean, he's waving. That was the intention of the balloon maker was that he was going to be waving, but he's 35 foot tall and his wave is straight up and down uh, with a little bit of forward lean to it because of the shape of the balloon and he's got a glove on. So yeah, we called him Nazi Claus because that's what he looked like. And people don't like that one necessarily as much. So he's been stabbed a, a few times when we're not looking. Somebody will sneak in and try to deflate him. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's one of those cases of, you know, good intentions, right? I mean, who's going to stab Santa Claus? Well, you would think, you would, would think, think it wouldn't if, be a thing, but, but if it looks like he's throwing up the old, the OC Kyle, you know, he's going down. So as we're sitting here talking, um, you, uh, you guys are about to leave and get on the road for dirty turtle. Uh, it's this, you guys would have been on the road today for Crandon. Crandon's canceled yep. this weekend. So you guys, you know, there's a little bit of scramble. There's a couple, couple hammers style races, uh, or even spirited trail rides, depending on what locale in the country you're in this weekend. And you guys are, so you have kind of a full house. You've got a bunch of guys there. And in the background, uh, I know you have Jonathan Terhune because he's hearing us talk and he's texting me uh, and he's telling me on my text that 2013 is the official confirmed nice. date of introducing Puff to uh, the hammer. So I need to I need to run the rest of the story down with with, with uh, Levi and uh, Terry about that first year in the move, but man, yeah. uh, what an what an epic kind of uh, kind of dude. He's become iconic for Hammertown. Yeah, and he's he's um he's pretty everybody everybody loves him. Like there's not really anything not to like about him. The hardest you know the the, the worst thing about him is how difficult he is deflated. So the best thing to do is just have him have inflated everywhere kids love them there's tons of pictures always get taken of them well yeah um, we, the, there are absolutely but people are still walk away going why the f why? do they have a huge purple <laughs> dinosaur on there you know so, how does yeah, that come to be surprise <laughs> once uh once we took it out once or twice and realized the value of just in just in placement of our camp and being able to find it we're like yeah this is cool and then we just kept taking it everywhere so now it's just a thing that um if it's not windy and you're at something that has got a team indiana crew at it you probably will have puff up because it's it's just a thing now we hang banners off of it brannick's had his banner off of it for years we put team indiana banners off of it it's uh it's just a fun thing he's been a lot of places too he's got his own facebook page and, and we he does puff the magic <laughs> yeah. dragon and yeah. that and that brings me to my next question you said you hang stuff on stuff puff has something that also transports with him every now and then <laughs> He's got his, uh, th this, this dude hauls his own bottle of crown with him. Mm -hmm. The crown didn't make KOH this year. KOH got to do the ground bottle land. I haven't, uh, I haven't opened it up and, and seen the hundred percent damage, but, uh, he, uh, 
the wind got to him and, and ripped his his base off. So be interesting to see if I can I make that one work. That, that was a fun addition, the crown bottle. The big uh, crown bottle, big, yeah, huge. Yeah. You know, what is that? that? That thing's probably 20 foot tall, 20 foot tall crown um, inflatable. I'd say that the crown's probably about 12, um, but it's an appropriate, it's, it's an almost a perfect scale. Um, size for scale. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's pretty good. How did you come into possession of that thing? Uh, the crown bottle is Ed's. Ed's, uh, wow, this is fun. I didn't even think about it. Ed's another Texas guy. So all our balloons come from Texas, apparently. So Ed is, uh, Ed's a, a well, let's a just go of, epicenter of hot air. Yeah, there you go. Um, Ed's a, a team Indiana guy. Um, he's good friends with Scooby. Grew up with Scooby. Um, he's in Texas now. Oh, but Michael Feagans. Yep, you got it. But Ed, he uh, he brought it uh, a couple years back and and just set it up on his stuff. And and then Puff and he were were eyeing each other over camp. And then by the end of the week, they were sitting next to each other. So now they just kind of run around together if they can. That's hilarious. <laughs> no. Oh man. Well, Brant, thank you. This thank you for uh for getting on the phone with me and uh and you know filling a little time here and you know giving the background on uh this iconic individual. You know, Ultra Four, they did their ten most iconic drivers, they did their yep. ten most iconic moments, but they missed so many things, right? And this is one of them. Like ten most iconic things at Hammertown. I I mean, I think Puff sits very squarely in the throne on that one. Or, yeah, I'm with you. We love him. I, I do awesome. need. To, I, I need to throw this in there. This is for one individual. He sits squarely in the catbird seat of Hammertown, <laughs> right? <laughs> Perfect. 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 Hey, Brant. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate it, Wyatt. Take care. Yep. Stay tuned. Your talent tank isn't full yet. All right, so here we go. This is a, a little bit more, a little bit digger, a little bit deeper dive, a little bit more digging, a little bit more insider information on Puff the Magic Race Dragon. You know, you guys just heard from uh, Brant Irwin, but right now, continuing the story, adding his color and flavor and flair to it, Terry Madden. Terry, welcome to the show. Hey, Wyatt, how you been? Man, I've been great, man. Always good to catch up with you, you know, uh, right at, uh, well, a little more than a year ago, we recorded your episode two. And, uh, man, the talent tank's been very well since your life has changed, uh, tragically and magically and kind of, uh, growth and setbacks and all that this year, right? Yeah. We could go for hours on all that. Um, I don't yeah, even know I, if we want to get into that right now. No, if I don't, I don't want to want to do a puff show. I don't want to dwell on it, but yeah, so exactly right. You know, um, but I just recap that we've had you on before, man. Episode two, you're, you're it, man. You bought in early and, uh, I really value that, but circling back to the, the matters at hand, puff, the magic race dragon. So that first <laughs> trip, right? so, so that first trip that those guys brought it out there, and this is my memory and people have heard this at this point that I remember, uh, it was set up and it was on the ground and then miraculously some way it ends up on top of the Shirley's 18 wheeler trailer. And then we come to find out you were a party. To that. <laughs> so it simply amazes me that years later out of everything we did that year, the magic dragon is the one that's being remembered. <laughs> Right. Well, there's a lot, right. You know, that dragon has come to be known, you know, he's this kind of, I don't know, you know how country folk give directions, right. And they say, Hey, go down, go go down by, 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 by that tree that's leaning over by the post and make a right. Then at the white house, make a left. And well, 
Huff is that for Hammertown. Well, he almost finished a couple of us off that night. We didn't realize how big he was till we till we tried that little stunt. So that all started. We were standing down at Jab Nasty's camp. Anybody that remembers Matt Enix? Oh yeah, Mister Alvoid, Texas, just north of Fort Worth. He's a riot. Yeah, the UTV racer that had the uh, a cock, not like a penis cock, a a chicken, like a fake chicken bolted to the roof of his UTV. He almost won that year. He uh, he led most of that. What was that? Was that 2012, 2013? He led. Oh, I don't know. Right up until almost the very end. Uh, he had, he, I think he got a flat like two miles out and, uh, Mitch got three past him. His primary mission to win was because he wanted the microphone because Dave Cole would not let him talk. And he knew if he won, he could actually get a microphone because he wanted to talk on stage so bad. And he was the only person more grounded than a Gomez brother from the microphone. And as I recall, exactly what he said was they asked, do you have any sponsors to thank? And he says, yep, me. And then drop the mic. <laughs> yeah, but then he had a beef with Dave over something, and it went from there. He, he's a riot. He's a good dude, man. He's just uh, you know pipeline welder, and now he's uh, running his own kind oh. of uh, shop up in uh, North Texas. I don't remember who all was there that night. We were in Matt's camp drinking. Levi was there. Um, we had Aaron Dupree, who still helps Levi. I think Miles was a party to it, but. We'd seen Puff, and we didn't even know. I'd never met Brannix at that point. We didn't even know whose dragon it was. It just it showed up that day, and we decided we needed to relocate it. And as we stood there and bounced off ideas, it, at first we were going to take it to the top of Fissure Mountain, and then it was going to back door, and then it was going to Sledgehammer, and then we were going to have to steal a generator to make that happen. And then it was going to the fire pit. and It ended up, we thought it'd be a great idea to put it on top of Shirley's trailer. It was, it really was. We got it about halfway up there, started airing it up. And as it got larger, it was pushing us off the sides of the trailer and catching the wind. And we realized maybe it wasn't such a great idea, but, um, as we got it aired up and tied down, then we realized how big it was. And we just almost took it back down because we were all scared of Brian surely being mad at us the next day, but he slept right through it though. Yeah. He slept through all of it, but we almost aborted and took it down because we were afraid Brian was going to be mad at us. Now, did did Levi sleep through it? Because I, I no, think he didn't. Levi, Levi participated. <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. Because I'm because I've got to get him on here too. Yeah, Levi participated. So it's crazy because yeah, the next morning Puff was on the trailer and they they kind of came over to claim it, and that's how we all met. And it turned out to be you know Brannicks are family now. So. That was really probably the best thing that happened out of that dragon was making the acquaintance with them. Oh, they are good people. I mean, well, that whole team Indiana is just very congealed and uh, a, a, a part of it and great. But yeah, yeah. So anything else, uh, any other antiques that went on with the puff? Oh, God, there's been so many things over the years with that dragon now. That was it that first year was just getting it on the trailer. And then we tried to take it back and they decided that it was better off there to just leave it. Um, and it's, it spent the year there. Hilarious. Some of the pictures of Hammertown with the dust on it, you can't see the trailers and you can just see the dragon hovering over Hammertown. So, so random. 
Yeah, I think the uh, I'm not I'm not sure what the picture will be that I'm going to use of, of him for a talent tank, but he's I've got a, I got a couple good choices. Uh, yeah, man. Well, that was it. It was it was really just to grab that little piece of how he actually made the migratory transition from uh, you know the Indiana guys that very first year to being on top of Shirley's trailer, which was insane. But now he's moved and now he rides on top of Nate Jesse's trailer. So uh, that whole thing where you put him on top of a trailer, you guys did that night ended up being now the his home when he's at races he sits on top of trailers yeah i i uh i admire them guys for setting him on a trailer because after we did it once it's no easy feat well what they said is even brant you know is said and you'll hear it at some point here is uh you are not the first person that he's almost hurt or has hurt he's hurt quite a few people so did he tell you the backstory of how they got the dragon oh yeah 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 okay yeah, so Good. that'll be on there. Like I said, uh, well, actually, everyone here into this point would have heard that already. Yeah, it's uh, you were the you're the only classy. one, Terry, that doesn't have the benefit of hearing what's been said. So pretty classy. <laughs> well, hey, man, thanks for uh, thanks for letting me dial you tonight and uh, grab you know five minutes of your time to hear kind of your story on how that very first night went down when you guys decided, hey, after these beers, this sounds like a great idea. Let's go move that thing on top of that trailer <laughs> over there. Yeah, um, definitely good memories. That's what I love about that Hammers family, how you could go literally steal something from somebody else's camp that you do not know, and they come over happy the next day to talk about it. It's just uh, it's just amazing how our race family truly works. We are truly blessed individuals in this uh, community. Well, Terry, thanks for dialing in, man. I'll catch you later, okay? No, no problem. Thanks, Wyatt. Stay tuned. Your talent tank isn't full yet. Okay, here we go on Levi Shirley. This is Levi. Levi, I've got him on the phone. We're still talking Puff the Magic Race Dragon. Levi was kind of the the benefactor, the beneficiary of that first night of Terry Madden and company stealing Puff the Magic Race Dragon from the Indiana guys. We've heard little bits and pieces of that, but now we've got it from the horse's mouth and we all know this was a long time ago, Levi, but thank you for coming on. Thank you for, uh, let me call you and run this down. How are you doing today? Good, man. Thank you so much for having me on this deal. Uh, like I said, I will try to try to, uh, remember the best I can on this whole story, but, uh, yeah, I, it, it was quite a long time ago, but a very fond memory of, of lucky dog racing's <laughs> uh so, king of the hammers experience so you guys used to have this big red volvo 18 wheeler tractor and a big white trailer and i think that trailer came to texas right did carl langer hands buy that from you guys yep yep carl, carl bought the trailer um it was a old frito lay trailer to, to chip trailer to that's it, right to get it in your head on what kind of trailer uh it was and uh dad built like living quarters in the front of it and we could haul like four race cars in the rear of it it was just super awesome and really really uh economical setup um and the 18 wheeler actually went to eric miller so that 18 wheeler is still running around i think it goes by cliff the big red truck in their crew i think that's correct and then there was a reason why your your dad, why Brian Shirley was into, you know, why he hunted after chip trailer, uh, a chip trailer. It was, it had to do with the, 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 the tire wheel size and how low the deck was and some things like that, right? 
Yeah, so so the biggest deal is the tire wheel size was like the biggest like Achilles heel of that trailer was um, those little I, want, I can't remember the correct I don't know if they're seventeen fives or what exactly. I, they I were, feel like that's they, what they were with seventeen fives. Yep, they did not like speed. We'd blow them out every race it seemed like because um, we had to haul butt to get to every race we went to. But yeah, no, those things have a super low deck, no inner fender, really tall interior height and uh, 53 foot long and they're dirt cheap if you go to research them so it was the perfect ultra four racing trailer at that point in time and you guys were running multiple cars at that time uh between your car your dad's car you guys you'd usually have another one in there or you'd haul your dad's airplane yeah so it had it had a little bit of uh everything hauled in it um it kind of had this like crazy front interior setup just full of bunk beds and carpeted walls and just a cheap cheap toy hauler and we were running multiple cars uh like you said out of it and it was uh we were running the the old solid axle sniper fab cars as well as when that trailer was originally built i believe it was built to haul a uh a moon buggy one of the, the old campbell uh enterprises moon buggies that dad had bought dirt, uh, from rusty Bray at that point in time. Um, and then it also had some airplanes in it and yeah, it was just the perfect trailer. It was, it was just crappy enough that you, you, you didn't care what you did with it. Um, but it was also nice enough that we didn't look like complete rednecks pulling up to the track. Fair so enough. It was just, it was just the, the, the perfect race trailer, literally. So this night, so I think, as I recall, I think the first year of that trailer at King of the Hammers was 2009. Is I remember we, we pitted next to you guys or pitted with you guys because, you know, being the Kansas crew out there. But I feel like, and I know Brant, you know, thought he clarified it. Terry wasn't sure of the year, but I, we all kind of came back to circle around and think it's about 2012. They, Terry and company are, you know, marching back from uh, the fire pit. They see the thing. They decide, oh, what a great idea. We're going to steal it. We're going to take it to back door. We're going to take it all these places and mount it. But then they realize they need a generator. And then somehow they turn and they look and they see, well, Clifford, the big red truck, uh, as we know it today, uh, with the chip, the Frito-Lay trailer. Uh, you know, it is a white trailer, but they decided they're going to strap it on top. But you're, was your, I think your dad, Brian, he's inside asleep. You, I think they woke you up. Yeah, so I remember sitting around, and I want to say it was probably 2013, may, maybe around that that time. Um, Don't they run together? They all run together, um, all, all of them at this point. But we were all we were all sitting around. I want to say the uh, I think we had a smudge pot, which is the if you don't know what that is, it's just basically uh, they they burn oil and kerosene and diesel to, to warm orchards up. Uh, and so they're the perfect, uh, the, the, the perfect camp fireplace, yeah, desert heater, desert heater. So we're all sitting around it. And I want to say, uh, a guy by the name of Keaton crisp. Um, and I want to say, um, Jeremy Dickinson was there. Um, T Terry's group, um, Mason, uh, which Mason, uh, passed away here a couple years ago and i would love to hear his side of this story uh absolutely love it because he could tell a pretty good story and they all decided they're going to go to the campfire and i was like whatever dude like you know we got a race like i'm gonna i'm gonna go to bed 
And so they all walked down there. And uh, I guess on the way back, they, they, they saw Puff and decided it was going to be a good idea to steal it. Um, you know, kind of reminiscing, talking to my, my buddy here in the shop tonight, like just kind of going over the events through that night. He was one of them that walked down with, uh, um, with everybody to the fire that night and uh, saw that they, they got the idea to steal Puff. And uh, talked to Aaron. They said that Mason decided to uh, crawl underneath the the Brannock's tent, like it was some of the white tents, and uh, and unplug it while they were in there working. I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. Um, uh, any truth to the Brannock's in there actually working um, or not? But they're probably in there BSing, if I were to guess. And uh, somehow got it unplugged and deflated without them knowing. Um, and at that point in time, they got it down and drug it over to. I mean, that's legendary, camp. though. That is just legendary. That is like some movie 007 secret agent stuff right there. Yeah. Cat burglar. Well, if, if you knew Mason, you knew Mason could BS his way through and out of anything. Like, like literally, that kid was a military guy that was just uh, just an amazing amazing individual um so so they got it they got it back somehow and this is when they come and got me and i don't know if they actually physically woke me up and said hey we're just what we're doing or if they actually uh if just them crawling on top of our trailer woke me up but i i I remember going out and uh getting on top of the trailer and, and looking up and they're just they're trying to pull pull this thing up on the trailer and i'm like what the heck are you guys doing and uh they eventually got it up man they they, they got it up and got it plugged in and i uh, got it inflated I, crazy I, clowns I, yeah crazy absolutely crazy i remember there was one dude that decided it would be a good idea to crawl inside of it when they finally got it plugged in <laughs> oh such, such good memories well, and I think I've heard another rumor. Maybe you can confirm this that there was some uh, uh, some shenanigans have uh, had gone on inside of Puff before. Like, <laughs> I, I I bet there there uh, there there was, but I cannot confirm that by any means. Yeah, to, to, no, Levi, we're off the record here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're only going to share it with like you know several thousand, eight thousand, whatever of our closest friends. It's okay. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, exactly. Chances are, if you're in the off-road community, you're you're not you're not a shy uh, an individual. I just can't imagine sitting there thinking, you know what? Hey, um, I'm here with my girlfriend, and uh, let's go get inside a puff. <laughs> like, <laughs> who has that thought? I, I mean, but but whatever. Hey, what? it's it's pretty private. It's air conditioning. Um, it it should be sort of dust free maybe <laughs> yeah right oh man awesome well levi thank you thank you uh thank you for for letting me call you uh today and uh run down a little bit of you know memory lane on what that first event was you know at king of the hammers where puff uh made the migratory change and kind of the the relationships that evolved out of uh kind of that and <laughs> all the branded crew you know good stuff um yeah and yeah absolutely no problem um sorry to talk over you there i just i gotta say i remember 
like we were pretty good friends with Branix at this point in time, you know, doing the XRA uh, before Ultra 4 Racing, and we've had multiple parties together. But I remember them, and I don't know if it's just my memory being foggy or what, but I remember them being pretty uh, upset that we stole it. Like, I don't remember it going down like awesome. I think they were pretty upset that we got it stolen. So I just, I just had to say that, and that they'll probably come on and be like, no, we were totally okay with it. But I remember there was some kind of some shadiness that uh, they were maybe a little upset that we stole it. Ah, see, because when I talked to Terry, Terry's recollection was the polar opposite of that. He's like, oh, no, it's it was awesome. Like, they loved it. They thought it was hilarious. And all these relationships evolved out of that. <laughs> so I, I do love how history has the, uh, in time and memories have the ability to smooth everything over. I do enjoy oh, that. Absolutely. Well, Levi, thank you. Thank you for hopping on here. And everyone that's listening, um, you know, little teaser, you know, Levi is in the stack for this season and uh, we'll, we'll have him uh, back on. And um, some point we're going to make it happen. Right, Levi? Yeah, buddy. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, Hey everybody, Levi, we'll catch you later. All right. See you later. Right. Wow, wasn't that a fun episode? I it just cracks me up. I mean, uh, just the lore around this iconic inflatable that has become a part and uh, you know uh, just something to look at. I, it's not an eyesore; it's everything but an eyesore. But it's um, quite the landmark in uh, in Hammertown, USA, there in Landers, California, on Mean Dry Lake every february gosh hey if you guys like this episode and you look forward to what uh the content is going to be coming up subscribe please click the link on whichever your streaming app is and and if you have the opportunity especially if you're on apple will you drop me a, you know some five stars and uh in a review it helps in the uh the search optimizing engine it helps for my social proof it helps other people discover us it helps us uh the entire industry the entire community be discovered and be more mainstream. It helps uh, companies put valuations on what they want to give sponsor dollars to, uh, to racers or to uh, the series itself. Anyway, appreciate it, guys. Tune in next week. We'll, we'll be going. All right. We're out. Thank you for listening and taking a dive into the talent tank. Please like and subscribe on Instagram at the talent tank or our website, the talent tank.com.